Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org. Seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, everybody. I'm Michael Carice, and today on Raise the Line, I'm happy to be joined by Greg Van Cleef, President and CEO of Alentra, a platform for teaching and assessing learners in the health sciences. Greg is a tech industry veteran who has led and supported dozens of technology companies as an executive, board member, mentor, and investor over the past couple of decades. And we're very happy to welcome you to the program today. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. We always like to start by learning more about our guests and their career journey. So go way back in the time machine and tell us what first got you interested in the tech industry. Yeah, that's uh, that's going way back uh, 25 years ago or so. I uh, finished up an MBA and uh, was attracted into the tech industry through a mutual uh, friend and uh, eventually became a colleague who helped pull me into a company that was called Newbridge Networks at the time a big uh, core network equipment provider based out of Ottawa. And uh, it was a fantastic company, a a multi-billion dollar publicly listed uh, company that a few years later was acquired and had just a a great experience there. Got my first taste of international travel and working in the tech sector, which was uh, super exciting for a a young executive. And uh, that led to an ongoing role with the gentleman who was the founder and chairman and CEO of Newbridge and uh, spent uh, the better part of two decades with him, helping him grow his portfolio of technology companies, uh, founding, creating, recruiting young executives to lead those businesses and investing in those companies and uh, spent the better part of the last decade acting very much as a VC, placing investments in those portfolio companies, managing the portfolio for him and uh, setting up new funds globally on his behalf. And that was uh, kind of how the the career has progressed. And then along comes this opportunity with Elentra just about a year ago now that it was, it came to my attention and uh, thought it was a great opportunity to put all that experience to work. We're going to get into lunch in a second, but I'm curious to know if what interested you most was the business side of things or the tech, or was it, what was the blend like? Yeah, I'm not an engineer. Um, I'm not a tech guy by by training. I'm actually a political science grad uh, who then went back to do an MBA. So um, no, for me, it was very much the business, the commercialization, the relationships that it attracted me. I'm a finance and commercial guy. That's where I, I find my passion and, and skill set is best applied. And now you're applying it at Elentra. Uh, so why don't you give folks an overview of that and uh, what your mission is there? Yeah, so Elentra is it's a company that uh, you know our job, our vision in life is to transform the delivery of higher education and nurture lifelong learners. And we deliver an end-to-end platform that we call an advanced education management system. Within our platform, we can track students' competency and accreditation management. At the center of our platform is uh, is our curriculum mapping capability that uh, allows us to, and separates us from the rest of the market, frankly, to map and manage curriculum really well at the center of all the functionality of the platform. It ties into every aspect of whether you're talking about scheduling or clinical rotations, whether you're talking about accreditation or uh, evaluation, testing evaluation. 
it all comes back to curriculum mapping. And that's, uh, that's our roots. We've become in time the leader in CBE. Over 60% of the schools in Canada are using Elentra today for delivering their, their competency-based education. And uh, it's uh, allowed us to really develop ourselves as an industry leader in, in that capability. And we're thrilled to have a growing relationship with universities worldwide, actually, within our user base. So one other thing that I think would be of interest to your listeners, Michael, is that uh, you know that some of them may be familiar with the Elantra Consortium, which is the roots of, of Elantra Corp. The platform itself has uh, over a decade, actually almost 15 years worth of development history in it. It was built by schools, for schools, and that very much ties into our roots within the consortium, uh, which continues to exist today and is a very uh, valuable partnership for Electric Corp as we continue to advance that technology, continue to build on the capabilities uh, together with the consortium schools and uh, advancing the state of the technology in a commercial manner with the, the broader market. I want to get a little more into the curriculum mapping, particularly because you mentioned it as a differentiator. So for one of your schools, well, maybe you should define that for people first, and then, you know, what does it allow them to do? Sure. So we have a tagging capability within the platform that allows us within all the databases right across the platform to relate capabilities back to the curriculum. So universities deliver curriculum. And everything they do is based on that. So they bring students in to receive the curriculum. They test based on the curriculum. They evaluate capabilities based on the curriculum. They report to accrediting bodies based on curriculum delivered. Curriculum's at the heart of everything a university does. So it only makes sense from a platform perspective to architect the solution we provide based on the core offering of, of the universities that are using the platform. And so we allow universities to tie in learning events, learners, evaluation tools, schedules, as well as all of their responsibilities as, a, as an institution for reporting up to accrediting bodies is all powerfully interconnected through this tagging capability that ties into the curriculum mapping tool. You know, I was noticing that um, one of the benefits that you talk about for Elantra is improving student outcomes. Explain how that would work. Sure. So I think that ties into CBE, competency-based education, is the way that uh, we're building out our capabilities going forward. It's becoming the de facto standard in most uh, health science programs, particularly medicine, but uh, it's expanding into other disciplines as well. We're starting to see it in nursing. We're starting to see it in veterinary studies as a couple of examples. So when you look at trying to evaluate learners based on both academic as well as practical skills and trying to tie all of that into some kind of a measurable metric that you can report against, it becomes very complicated. And that's, uh, that's where we see ourselves delivering a lot of value to our university clients because they're able to eliminate multiple other tools and platforms they may be using and consolidate into one fully integrated end-to-end -to -end tool. Um, that allows them to advance the learners 
in a manner where both those delivering the education and those receiving the education have full visibility of where they stand at any given time. So obviously, COVID was a huge disruptor to uh, higher education, education at all levels. And as you're mentioning, the clinical placements piece of it, unique to uh, health sciences schools, got very difficult and complicated. So talk a little bit about, first of all, how the pandemics impacted your company, but then how you have been able to help schools navigate through these challenges. Sure. So our company um, actually was just created a little over a year ago, now January of 2021. And as I mentioned earlier, our history is with the consortium, but as, as a company, our birth took place in the midst of this pandemic. And the first year of the business was really run with a uh, dispersed virtual team. Because we didn't have a physical location, we were freed as an organization to recruit across the country internationally. And so our core team originally was very dispersed and by definition, remote workers. Um, it's only in January of this year where we uh, established our first physical office here in Kingston, Ontario, which is where our headquarters is located. About half the company is based in this area, uh, so it made sense to put a physical office here. But we've very much continued working with a hybrid work model. So we have employees that come in every day. We have some that come in a couple days a week. We use meetings and events to attract staff into the office. And uh, it's very much become kind of a center for our, our local staff, as well as our visiting staff that are coming in from out of town to be able to come together as a team, you know, get to know each other a little bit better, spend some quality time together in a, in a workplace. And uh, it's contributed to the, the emerging culture of, of the company in a very productive way. We're lucky because we're a software company. That's an easy thing to do. Adopting that hybrid work model is an easy thing to do for a software company. There are other businesses where that's not so easy, um, and where you have to have a physical presence in order to be able to perform the work that's required to keep the company going. In the case of universities, our clients, our software is it's cloud-based. So and we offer a, uh, a mobile application as well as, uh, you know, obviously remote access to the platform for both learners and administrators. We have really uh, well-developed customer success and account management team that's able to respond to calls day or night from, from universities, so given, you know, international time zones. That's a requirement. So we've really built our delivery and service model based on trying to be responsive to people that are working in a non-traditional manner. And uh, that's proved to be very successful for us. And, you know, as universities were deploying things like remote proctoring and online testing and evaluation, it was a natural fit for us. We were a ready-made tool for that. And so it, uh, it's very much... If from the perspective of our business, the pandemic has brought our customer base closer to our business model than maybe it would have been otherwise. Yeah. We hear that a lot uh, from guests that they you know, wish there wasn't a pandemic, but it has been good for business. <laughs> Folks that are in the ed tech space and, and medical technology space and digital healthcare generally. So 
I have to take advantage of your vast experience here. We have an audience that's interested in entrepreneurship, and we talk to investors and VC folks a lot. If you could boil down, you know, a couple of key ingredients to tech companies that ultimately are successful, what are those? Great question, Michael. And one that I've been asked quite often in the past is, how do we develop a plan or a program to create successful entrepreneurs? It's not just entrepreneurs. The key there is success because we all hear the, the often used statistic that nine out of 10 startups fail, um, whether it's eight or nine is it's still a very high percentage. And that's the facts. Um, entrepreneurship by definition is taking risks and having a high tolerance for taking risks. It's not for everybody. The first piece of advice I would give is if you're attracted to entrepreneurship because you like the idea of having a CEO title and being able to tell people that you're a founder or that you, you have your own startup, that's probably not the right motivation because you're more than likely going to fail at least once, if not multiple times over a career of entrepreneurship. There's more to being an entrepreneur than just being a manager. Management skills is certainly a piece part of the tool set that's required to be a successful entrepreneur, but there's so much more to it than that. Uh, to create and develop and, and establish a viable business requires a lot of hard work. It's, it's not at all easy. There are challenges that come with that that aren't taught in most, even business schools. Uh, I did an MBA and I put a lot of value on that MBA, but it certainly did not teach me how to be a successful entrepreneur. In a lot of ways, that comes with experience. Knowing how to commercialize technology and establish a viable business is difficult. You have to see it and live through it to know what's required to be successful in it. Some people are fortunate and are able to make it work the first time out, but it's, uh, it's the rare case that's able to do that. We've had other um, physicians mostly turned entrepreneurs say that one really key thing as they think about how their medical school experience and training impacted their success as entrepreneurs is that they could sit for 25 hours at a time and do work. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. I mean, uh, it, you know, perseverance and a a passion for what you're doing is a critical piece of the of the puzzle, right? A desire to just keep plowing through, no matter what the challenges are, knocking them down one after another, and being able to um, to get through those and move on to the next challenge without being beaten down and and discouraged certainly plays a big part in it. So as you may know, we're a teaching company and love to fill knowledge gaps and love to hear from our guests what they see as a gap in knowledge, could be myths, could be misunderstandings that are important to correct and direct us to you know, make a video or do some communications about that. What would that be for you? Well, I think, Michael, we just talked about it actually, is, is there is a role in society for entrepreneurs that is, I think, underestimated and in many respects undervalued. And it's something that I think our institutions, our learning institutions could find um, ways to better teach entrepreneurship. And our private sector can do much more uh, to stimulate it 
as well as the public sector can do much more to stimulate and support entrepreneurship. There's a need for risk takers in society. Small business is where innovation originates. It's where job growth is created. It's not in the large companies. It's in the small, fast-growing businesses. For me, I think that's an area where a lot of focus needs to be applied. We need to create more entrepreneurs, more people that are willing to take that risk over and over and over again in order to drive innovation forward, to continue to create those jobs, to create opportunities in society and and really move us forward. So we have um, a lot of medical students, health profession students in the audience, also folks earlier in their career. What would be your advice just generally about approaching their careers and having a successful career? For me, Michael, it's taking risks. Try things that are outside your comfort zone and stretch yourself. When I took that leap to enter the tech sector, I was coming out of a government job to do that. I had a good, stable job with a nice pension and you know, really nice uh, work hours, but I took a risk. I did something that was uh, way outside my comfort zone and it opened, literally opened the entire world to me. I spent the next 25 years traveling the globe, meeting incredibly fascinating people from all levels and and doing things that I never really had contemplated doing before. Uh, and it's, it's led to a successful career, an exciting and interesting career. And I have, as a result, a network of friends and colleagues that uh, spans the globe. And I've loved every minute of it. So, you know, that would be my advice is, is take those risks, try something different. It doesn't necessarily need to be exactly what, uh, what you've trained for either. It could be a fit that um, you fall into unexpectedly, but to be open to it and accept the challenge. Yeah, I've heard others say when opportunity presents itself nine times out of 10, the right answer is to say yes and do it. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. So as we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to say about Lantra or yourself or the tech industry and investing? I would just say that, you know, Elantra is an exciting, fast-growing company. We have an incredible team that we're working with here. We have very loyal customers that have been using Elantra, as I said, in some cases for over 15 years. And the advantages we provide are measured in better students, which I think is the goal that we should all be holding ourselves to. And that is, uh, that's very much what we're all about here at Elantra. And I'm looking forward to uh, continuing to work with the company and the industry and uh, see everything that we're able to do together. That's a great note to end on. Well, thank you very much, Greg, for being with us today. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. I'm Michael Carice. Thanks for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together. For more information on how you can raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our episodes at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast. Mm-hmm.